We were about 10 days into a three-week road trip with three preteen children in a Ford Expedition. When we started off driving from our home on the East Coast to the Badlands of South Dakota, the car seemed so roomy and spacious. But by the time we got to the Badlands, the truck was getting a little cramped and tensions were beginning to flare. At one point, our oldest son reached into the back of the car. He pulled out a rope from the camping gear and he carefully began to start laying it down the center of the seat, all the way down the center of the seat, down the floorboard, on up to the very front of the car. And he turned to his brother and he said, this is my side, that is your side, you don't cross over this divide. Now I'll admit that rope, that barrier actually saved the day. It helped the boys cope with their boredom and their annoyance with one another and it cooled everything down. Barriers, boundaries, chasms, they do that. They help us to cope. Boundaries allow us to ignore things that we really don't want to see. Barriers help us prop up our own needs and perspectives. And well-placed divides allow us to repel challenges and to repel and not pay attention to the needs of others. Jesus knew this about us and he knew this about our world. And so in the 16th chapter of Luke, in the story that we just heard, Jesus addresses a very special group of people, people he knew well, Pharisees. Pharisees who he called lovers of money. Pharisees who were builders of barriers between the haves and the have-nots. Pharisees who were masters of dividing up society between the righteous and the sinners, the powerful and the powerless, the haves and the have-nots. Earlier in the 16th chapter, these Pharisees actually mocked Jesus, saying, we can serve our God and our wealth. And Jesus answered them with a scathing indictment. You let everyone else know that you're in the right, but God, God knows your hearts. And that's when Jesus tells them this harsh, unyielding story of a poor man named Lazarus and a rich man without a name who lived behind a gate. Like any good preacher, Jesus is borrowing an old folktale. It's a familiar story to the people of his day, and he's repurposing it for his teaching. These are really kind of stock characters. You know, Lazarus is extremely poor. He's suffering greatly. He's been cast off by the world, literally left by the gate of a wealthy person in hopes that he might get some sustenance from that lavish household. The rich man is extremely rich. The details of his clothing and the way he eats attest to that. He goes in and out of a gate, only wealthy people had gates. And as he goes in and out of this gate frequently, there's Lazarus and he does nothing to alleviate his suffering. Then they die and the familiar tale ends in a familiar way. There's a reversal of fortunes. 
and in karma-like fashion, everyone gets what they deserve, or at least what they did not have in life. Except in the folktale, the dead are able to travel back to the living to give messages. And the tormented and blessed travel back and forth to speak to one another and make amends. But in Jesus telling this well-known tale, the story takes a turn, doesn't it? When the rich man has the gall to order Lazarus to bring cool water for his thirst, he's actually betraying himself in a few ways. First, the fact that this rich man calls Lazarus by name betrays the fact that he knows who he is. He's known all along and he has walked by him for years, choosing not to help. And secondly, he betrays his arrogance, treating Lazarus like, like an inferior, like a servant, even after death. In Jesus' story, it's Father Abraham who answers the rich man, no child, he says, there is a great chasm standing between us. It's too late. Nothing can be done. Jesus addresses the wealth-loving, self-satisfied Pharisees. If you have ears to hear, listen. If you have eyes to see, look. You're supposed to know the law of Moses. You have heard the warnings of the prophets. You of all people should realize I've come to preach good news to the poor. I've come to lift up the oppressed. I've come to overthrow the ruthless and the powerful. You of all people should know that ignoring the needs of the poor and afflicted, it amounts to turning your back to the kingdom of God because these are the ones blessed in the kingdom of God. Wake up because the walls, the gates, the barriers you're building with your life can create chasms impossible to cross. Friends, is it any wonder that they plotted to kill Jesus? Is it any wonder that faithful Christians still find the great reversal of Luke's gospel hard to swallow? Historian and theologian Justo Gonzalez puts it this way, in so many instances, I find it difficult to rejoice over the good news of the great reversal. On too many counts, I find myself on the wrong side of the equation. Luke leaves me completely disarmed. My education, my writings, my savings, my prestige, my resume, they count for nothing before this Lord of the great reversal. And I do not like it. Sound about right to you? <laughs> it does to me. But stay with me for a moment and stay with Jesus and what he has to say to us. You see, I believe condemnation isn't Jesus' last word for you or me, for the church or for our world. But what Jesus does say to us this day is pay attention to the gates, the walls, the borders, the divides that you are building. Pay attention to the way you use such things to advance yourself, to remove yourself from others. Pay attention to the way we allow the needs and predicaments of others to just float by and leave us unmoved. Because the walls, the gates, the barriers we build 
can create chasms impossible to cross. Walls of greed, gates of selfishness, borders of bitterness or unforgiveness or superiority, they exist in our hearts, in our lives. They exist all around us. And left unattended, left unexamined, left without God's redeeming touch, they can create chasms impossible to cross. The world we live in, it's filled with barriers and divides between races, between political parties, between us and them, between those who listen to this cable news station and those who listen to that cable news station, between the generations, between those with power and resource and those without power or resource. And left unattended, left unexamined, left without God's redeeming touch, they can create chasms impossible to cross. The problem, in all honesty, we are so very good at these walls and gates. We are so very good at using them to protect ourselves, to blind us from seeing, really seeing one another. It led to the arrogance and injustice of the rich man in Jesus' story. It created the Pharisees' unholy hatred for God's kingdom and God's Messiah. And on our own, we will also create chasms impossible to cross. But friends, hear this, the good news, we are not on our own. Thanks be to God, we have a savior who specializes in crossing boundaries, in breaking down walls, in leaping chasms. A savior that invites you, invites me, invites the church to be in the chasm jumping business as well. And when Jesus does that, when Jesus empowers us to be like that, well, generosity can spring then from the stingiest heart. And forgiveness can come from the most barren ground. And awareness can actually dawn on the most closed mind. And compassion can come from the hardest heart. This is the great reversal of the kingdom of God. This is the work that Jesus can do in my heart and in your heart. This is the work that Jesus is accomplishing in the world. If we'll listen, if we watch, if we allow ourselves to take part. After about 200 miles in that board exposition, my boys decided that they wanted to play a game together. It was a game of battleship. And they couldn't quite figure out how to play that game with that rope just smack down the middle of the seat. After a while, I looked back at the back seat and saw the rope had been pushed into a big circle all around the back of the truck so that they would have room to come together in the center 
and play that game. Even a couple of bored preteen children eventually understand that borders and barriers will keep them from what they really want to do. Friends, I don't know what wall you might be building, what divide you might be nurturing, what barrier holds you back. What I do know is that our Savior Jesus stands with you to give you the courage and the strength to knock it down. I don't know exactly what the great reversal of the gospel will look like as we live it out in a place like West Austin. But I do know that we need to see and to hear and to listen to the voices of the poor, the oppressed and the afflicted to whom the kingdom of God belongs, by the way. That's how we will renew and recover the joy of the gospel. I don't know what chasm has been fixed in your life that seems done and finished and without hope. But what I do know is that the life of faith means leaning upon the grace of God to make a way when there doesn't seem to be a way. To make a way for your life, for your family, for this country, for this COVID-infected world. Jesus is in the chasm-leaping business. And we are his people. So it's time to act like that. It's time to live like that. Because as the Apostle Paul says, we're convinced that nothing, not death, not life, not angels, rulers, think present or things to come, powers or heights or anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, we live in a world of chasms and divides, barriers and walls. They are not of your making. And we ask for courage. We ask for strength. But most importantly, we ask for you to make a way. Make a way for every hurting heart. Make a way for every blind eye or deaf ear to need and to want. Make a way that as your people and as your church, we might shine your light in this world. In Jesus' name. Amen.